0: This is the Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 26. On today's show, we are talking to professional declutterer Juliana Poplin about getting your family on board with your desire to live with less and solutions for when your spouse loves stuff. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that wanna be clutter-free. Hey there, welcome back to the show. As always, I'm your host, Deanna Yates, and your resident wannabe minimalist. In today's episode, we are chatting with simplicity expert, Juliana Poplin, and I am so excited for today's show. Juliana's foray into living with less started with an interstate move. And like a lot of us, she had no idea how much stuff she owned until she was tasked with packing it all up. I won't spoil her story, but that move prompted her to investigate why she had all of that stuff in the first place and is what led her to this new lifestyle of simplicity. Juliana is a wife, mama, and professional declutterer. She is passionate about living a life full of purpose and intention and helping other moms do the same. All right, and now let's get to chatting with Juliana. So with me today, I have Juliana from The Simplicity Habit. Hi, Juliana. Thanks for joining us on the Wannabe Minimalist Show. thank you so much for having me. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Um, Now, everybody's journey to minimalism is different, and I'm just curious. i like to start off with um, having my guest tell me what led them to minimalism or living a more simplified life, you know, with intention, so.
1: Sure. Um, About six years ago, we were moving from California to Washington, And it's something about when you move that you really realize how much stuff you have, especially when you have movers come to tell you how much it will cost you to move all the things that you have. And so part of that process for me was just realizing we were moving a lot of stuff that we didn't really care about, that we didn't use. But it wasn't really because of the stress of the move. It wasn't like right at that time was when we simplified everything. We were already in the process of moving. So I was like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to pay to move this, I guess. And so we did. And then I started reading all the books. A little bit too late, but still was reading them (laughs) and started getting really inspired that like, why why do we keep these extra things? I started asking all those questions about why do we own what we own, um, what that meant to own more than I thought like we should, how that took up my time and my energy. And so it wasn't really at that point, though, actually, honestly, that I started simplifying. We moved into a bigger house from where we lived before. I had about 500 more square feet in the new house. And even more problematically, we had a three-car garage in the new house. And um, it was during that time, too, we were kind of settling in, figuring out what life looked like in this new state with my husband's job changing and all these things that we were figuring out. And I started flipping furniture. So that was a hobby that took up a lot of space and required kind of a lot of things. So it kind of took the feelings that I had before and put me to the tipping point of like, I can't have all this stuff anymore. It's too much. And so I went from furniture flipper to professional declutterer, which is kind of a weird transition to make. But um, I found that I liked decluttering so much that I started helping clients and started working doing that. And then about maybe a year or two in, I decided to start a blog because I felt like not everybody has access to having somebody come help them in their home. So like, how could I reach and help more people? And I felt like that was a good format for it. So that's what I've been doing the last two years.
0: Awesome. So then you've been on this minimalism journey for a few years now. Yeah, I would say like five-ish. Yeah. Great. And when you moved, I totally understand that. So um, it it definitely uh, feels familiar. We did a lot of traveling and I think that was the first time we sold off a bunch of our stuff Uh. and did realize we just didn't need as much of it. And, you know, not everybody has a big move or a big moment like that, but I do think that it's never too late. You know, you said maybe a little too late. It's never too late because, you know, now you're still able to enjoy your home probably more with less, which is really all that matters in the end. Yeah. So you have children. And one of your recent blog posts has discussed, you know, decluttering with children. Um, What tips do you have, you know, for our listeners who struggle with this? Because this is definitely a question I hear over and over again. And I'm sure you do too.
1: Yes. Um, I have a seven and a nine-year-old, which I feel like is important for context. They're both girls. And I have one who would get rid of all the things and she's fine with that. And the other one who wants to keep every single thing. So I kind of have both extremes. Um, So I know what it's like to work with both personality types. For me, it was important that starting early on, like maybe age two, age three, I was involving them in the process because I felt like there's really only a couple options you have with kids. You're either going to deal with all the stuff they have and do nothing about it. You're going to declutter it while they're not paying attention or you're going to have them be part of the process. And one was not an option because the extra stuff just makes me crazy. Like I I can't feel like at peace in my home with things everywhere. That's just, it doesn't work for me. Uh, The second one of getting rid of things when they're not paying attention didn't feel fair to me. I felt like, I don't want my kids to feel like decluttering is this thing where they leave and half their toys disappear. And it's like, oh, I don't know what happened. Or even saying I did it, it just didn't feel right to me. I felt like it was important for me to teach them both to be responsible for their own things and for them to be part of the process in deciding what stays and what goes. So from really early on, It's different, obviously, depending on what age your kids are. But what we started doing early was like saying, here are the appropriate size storage containers. So I got to decide that. I got to decide what was a good fit for in our house. And then they got to decide what was going to stay in those. But once those containers are full, everything else had to go. So they were a big part of deciding which things were going to stay and which things were going to go. And I was the one deciding how much was an appropriate amount to have. And that started really early. And I can't say that my kids love it. It's not like, oh, mom, let's declutter. Like, I don't, I wish I had those kids, but I don't. Um, I don't think that's probably a realistic expectation, though, for most people. Uh, So they have been okay with it. They accept that it's part of, like, they know that's what mom does. They know that's part of what's expected of them. So a couple times a year, we keep doing that, keep going through stuff, because inevitably more things come in with relatives and holidays and, We've worked hard on that. And a lot of it has changed. We've had some good ideas of like non-gift ideas that have worked well, but they're still, I think with kids, it's inevitable that some things are coming in the house.
0: So. Oh, absolutely.
1: And like you said, you don't want to feel like you deprive your children because I do feel
0: like that in the end will backfire. Uh-huh. Um, so I kind of feel, I, I understand where you're coming, you know, from that angle. I totally understand that. Now, Why? I guess that kind of goes into why I think it's important, you know, for kids to declutter their own things. But did you have anything to add onto that? Like why it's important?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so again, a big part of it to me is the responsibility aspect. Like I don't, I mean, I know for as much as you can control whether or not people hoard, I don't know that you can completely control that, but I think early on helping them understand what it's like to be responsible for their things and to maintain them. And I felt like when my kids had too much, it was an unfair expectation for me to think like, you can maintain that you can organize that you can put that all away. When they're little children, they only have so much capacity for that. So it almost sets up an unfair expectation of like, here's all the stuff. Now take care of it. But if you have too much that you're giving them, you're already putting an unfair burden really on them. And realistically, my kids were not playing with so many of the toys that they had that I was like, why? Why do we have these things? I've also read studies too, where it's kids don't do well when they have too many toys. They, their attention span is shorter. Um, the same decision fatigue that we feel when we shop is what they feel when they have too many toys to choose from. So it was kind of going in with all those understandings um, and realizations that I felt like, I wanna set them up for success and to do that, I need to help them be responsible for those things and to not have too many things. That makes sense. So you think you started this with your children when they were about two and three? Yeah. Um, but obviously when they're younger, it's going to be a little different. Um, and depending on the child's personality, it's going to be a little different. They're going to need more help earlier on. Um, it also, I've heard some people talk about, well, what if, what if you think they're getting rid of something they're really going to regret? Like something that you know that they love, but in that moment they're like, get rid of it. Different people feel differently about that for me. Sometimes I'm like, well, then you put it in a bin, they can't see it in the garage and you wait. And if they ask for it, You can maybe have some grace with that. Um, Some people think, well, don't do that. Because then they think anytime you get rid of something, they can get it back. Um, So I think it just depends on the situation. We only did that maybe one time where I was like, oh, you're going to be unhappy that you got rid of that. And I don't want you to hate this. So (laughs) So we're going to hang on to that one just a little bit, but not normally. And did they ask for it? Did your daughter ask for it? Yeah, she eventually did. And it's because I knew she and her sister both have a matching thing. And so I was like, well, if your sister still has it, uh, you might later be like, I wish I kept mine. So yeah. Ah,
0: interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you think you and your husband have different decluttering personalities? Is one of you uh, attached to yourself and one not? Yes, very
1: much so. Um, yeah, he probably, if he could choose any job for me, this would not be the one he would choose. Uh, he really loves his things. And that looks very different than it looks like for me. Books are really big for him. Um, Papers. He wants to keep lots of papers and even clothes. Like I think he has, he has very much more like attaching sentimental um, feelings to things like just things holding memories for him. I don't really have that. So yes, it has been quite a process for us. We're still not in the same place with it. It's a lot of compromise. He's gotten better. I think over the years, been more willing to like let go. Um, But it's still like naturally where we stand is not the same place. So I can completely relate to the parents and the couples who are like, but my husband won't. I'm like, I know. I feel (laughs) that too.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would definitely say I'm further down the path than my husband. But we have a kind of a compromise where we each have our own things. And so we've kind of said like, okay, I have this. So mine is like um, Christmas ornaments right? Like, so I have probably three or four bins of Christmas ornaments and decorations, which is funny because I don't decorate for any other holiday. I don't have a bunch of tchotchkes in the house, but for some reason I have these ornaments. And I think it's because it was something my mom and I used to do from when I was very young. And there's a lot of, and I just want to have that homey Christmas feel. Mm -hmm. And So, but for my husband, he has some things that he collects like comic books or, you know, baseball cards or things like this. And we've kind of said like, okay, we each have our bins. Like, and so, you know, has that been something you've kind of compromised with or does that, I don't know. Do you have any other recommendations?
1: (laughs) Yes. So part of it too, for us has been like actual rooms in the house. So like Ah. the office is his room and I try not to go in there very much because it makes me a little crazy. And so and the garage too. part of the garage is like his space. And so that's worked pretty well for us. I mean, admittedly, when I still go in those spaces, it's like hard for me to like try to take it all in. But I think like that's normal. And you have to find ways that you compromise because I don't think it's fair for me to come in and say like, this is what we're doing now. So get rid of stuff that matters to you. Like, that's not fair at all, just as it wouldn't be for him to do the same thing to me. You know, it's Marriage Absolutely. is so much about compromise. And I actually wrote one of my posts was about like, don't, don't declutter other people's stuff, like talking about your spouse specifically. Cause I think the same thing sometimes that, um, you want to do with your kids, which is like taking the stuff you don't want and having it disappear while they're gone, uh, happens with marriage as well. Like I'll, uh, you, he won't notice things, things are missing, so I'll just take them. But I'm like, that's really not fair. Cause if he did that to me for something that mattered to me, I would feel really mistrustful of that. Like that's not the way to build trust and good communication. Right. So I don't get to decide what's important to him and he can't decide what's important to me. And that's okay. You keep working those things through. Right. Well, and
0: what I think is so interesting there is, you know, you had kind of said earlier um, there's been a lot of growth in that. And I think it's for both of you. You know, at the time, I know you were talking with your husband of coming to terms with you and your minimalism. But it's also with you coming to terms with him and his lack of minimalistic <laughs> desires. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it is, it's a compromise. And again, it's, that's what's lovely about relationships and people. <laughs> yep. We're always all different. <laughs> we're always learning. We're all different and we're all unique. And um, it's interesting. I only have one child, but she definitely has tendencies for both of my husband and myself. We both tend to be perfectionists and we see that showing up in her way too much. Yep. And, you know, but that is just, it is what it is. Yep. Your children are reflections of you. <laughs>
1: for, for good and for
0: bad. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And now I know you also have talked about open-ended toys and I keep hearing this kind of over and over. And for my listeners that may not have heard of this term before or may be new to this kind of way of play, what what is an open-ended toy? We will be right back. And now, back to the show.
1: Yeah, so I wrote a post about that too. It's like, what toys actually use your imagination and creativity? And that's probably not going to be anything electronic, which actually for a lot of parents is good news because those are really annoying. (laughs) So the things that we liked were things like wooden blocks. Um, Now they're older, so we're not using as much things like that. But the magnetic blocks, they love those. And come up with so many creative things that you would never think of. Um, So anything where it's like they can use their imagination, creativity to use it different ways, something that's not like a, it has to be this end product. Um, it lets the kids use their creativity with it. And so we've had a lot of good luck with that. The kids really enjoying it. And my kids are really, really imaginative. So honestly, 90% of the time, they're not playing with any toys. They're just making up stories in their head and playing with her sister and sometimes dressing up and doing that. And that's what they spend a lot of their time doing now. Um, but I think for any parent, especially if you have younger children, it's just thinking... What are the ways these toys can be used? Are there multi-purpose things they can come up with? Can they use their creativity with it? Or, and especially staying away from, I think mostly the electronic plastic, cheapy, annoying stuff. <laughs> yeah, well,
0: I remember we got a gift one time and I think I had to tape over the speaker because it was so loud mm-hmm. and yet, you know, you dealt with it cause it was a gift. And so things I would do differently now. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So what do you say to the mama who says that their children will never declutter? What's a good starting point? Obviously, there is a huge spectrum of where we can go
1: with this. What's a good just kind of
0: just place to start?
1: Yeah, I think for us, what one thing that's been really motivating is my kids know that again, with like starting with the storage containers and kind of providing those boundaries that helped as a starting place to be like, this is what This is what the expectation is. This is the amount of things we can have and going from there. But another thing that, I mean, even still now we'll get to November and they'll be like, oh, I don't want to declutter anything. I'm like, oh, well, you know what that means? There's no room for anything from Christmas. That's really motivating for kids if they feel like, oh, I can't have anything else come in if something doesn't leave. I think Christmas is a time a lot of kids are more motivated to declutter both for having space for themselves, but then also trying to incorporate like, a giving nature to them of like this is who we're going to pass it along to so for my daughter who's really sentimental it helps her a lot to know who the thing is going to go to we have a neighbor next door who's a couple years younger so sometimes we will gift there although i always ask the mom because i don't want to be somebody who just dumps my stuff to somebody else <laughs> so i always ask first but um also we have a cousin some younger cousins so sometimes we'll go that route other times we use our local by nothing group and so i'll post on there And having my kids be part of the donation process to whoever we gift to, I think, has been really helpful, especially for something that's been meaningful to them. Knowing who the end user is can be helpful. The same is actually true of adults. I tell adults, if you're getting rid of something because you're not using it, you know you don't want it anymore. Knowing who you're gifting it to feels a lot better than, like, putting it in a box of things that you're all sending to a donation place that you don't know whether or not it'll even get picked up by anybody else, you know? Oh, I
0: get it. So you're like putting a face to the donation, which yeah. I can imagine that that would be so much easier for a child, you know, to know that their toy is going to be played by somebody, maybe that they know. Okay. So when they look back on it, they don't have to wonder, you know, what happened to it. They can imagine that their friend or cousin is playing with it or, you know, same if you give something, you can imagine somebody else enjoying that, too. That's oh, a great tip. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, so... If you were starting over today, what would be, you know, your advice, or what would what would be the first thing you would do if you were to go back to that life you had before, knowing what you know now, knowing where you are now on your journey, you know, if you were just starting over from scratch, what would you do first?
1: I think it's always starting small. I'm not somebody who's gonna think like at the beginning, (laughs) it's easy to get this idea of like I'm gonna tackle it all at once. So, (laughs) have a funny story about that. I had watched, you know, all the tidying up with Marie Kondo and how she did like dumping all the clothes on the bed. And prior to that show, I was like, I've done this and it can really backfire. My kids were going to be gone for like two hours. And so I was like, oh, that's plenty of time. I'm going to tackle this. So I literally took everything out of my closet and my drawers. I put it all on my bed. I started sorting through it two hours goes by really fast when you're doing that. So they had to come home. It's like late at night. I'm looking at all the stuff still in my bed. And I'm like, this is a really, really bad idea. I just created way more of a headache for myself than if I had just started with a thing. So normally what I'm recommending to people, and I would have said this to myself too, start with one thing. It can be a small thing like t-shirts, go through your t-shirts, like make it a small subcategory, especially for moms. If you have little kids, like You have so little long spans of time to work on things. And honestly, anytime your kid's napping is probably not when you want to spend your entire time decluttering your house. Pick small projects, pick small areas, do a little bit at a time. You don't have to feel like you need to do it all in a week or in a weekend or any of those things that I think doesn't work for most people. So start small where you can and build up to the other things. Like don't start with sentimental stuff. Don't start with things that are hard. Start with your bathroom. Start with your bedroom. Start with something that doesn't take a lot of emotional energy to make decisions on and build from there. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. I am definitely one of those people um, that likes to think I can do it all. And I definitely bite off more than I can chew. I've done that more than one time. Uh in my life more than I'd like to admit. Um, But I completely agree. And it, it is helpful. I've done, you know, 21 day decluttering challenges and things like that. And doing just one space or one drawer, and then it snowballing is really Mm. helpful. And sometimes you don't have to get through all of the things in that one space. So let's take kind of a, you know, maybe I started my closet, Well, I've got something in there that belonged, I don't know, in the office or something. So I just in the office. I don't deal with it until I get to the office. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes it's nice because you can not necessarily put off that decision, but you have a very set way of dealing with something and maybe makes it a little bit easier, you know? So yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's fantastic advice. Um, any other fun minimalism stories that you have to share with us before we kind of
1: start to wrap it up? The one thing I will say is it's funny because people always associate me with minimalism, but I don't ever use that word. Um, so I, like, I accept that that's part of like my theory and like my, the way I think is very minimalist, but Mm -hmm. I don't describe my house as minimalist. Um, and there's a couple of reasons for that. I feel like one, people have such different ideas about what minimalism is and it's completely a big spectrum, but it's not something I've totally identified with. Like the whole getting to just the necessary, um, I'm going to be realistic. We have a lot more than what's necessary in my house. And that's probably always going to be the case. I'm not married to somebody who wants to have a minimalist home. So that's probably not a good goal actually for me to have when it just isn't realistic for my situation. And there's also random things that I like and I have more than I need of and I'm okay with that. So I try to focus more on just saying like simplifying or simplicity or using non-minimalist words because I know people tie with that, like certain ideas of like what minimalism is. A lot of people think that's really like whitewalled stark barren cold and it's not like i know plenty of people who are minimalists who don't live that way and that's fine but i also think sometimes it can give us this idea of like what our end goal needs to look like and for some people that is part of their journey that's where they want to head to and for other people it's not it's just i have too much and i need a little bit less and sometimes people keep going with that and end up where they feel like they're a minimalist and other people won't and i feel like that's okay too so i've tried to be like kind of an in-between where it's it's totally fine if that's not your goal. Like the reality is most of us have extra stuff that takes up more of our time and energy than it should. And you don't have to call it minimalism. You don't have to do anything. Just start decluttering. Just simplify somewhere where you can and have your own goals with it. That's actually a big thing that I talk about a lot. Before you declutter, before you do anything, know what your goals are. Have an end goal in mind of like what you're looking to achieve and why because I think you're a lot more likely to get there if you have a clear plan of where you want to end up and why you want to end up there. Yeah. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy
0: Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to that, because we do feel we'll put up a block against that word or against what we think it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. when really, like you said, we need to set our own intention and just create, you know, move toward the life that we envision for ourselves and our families. So. Oh, Juliana, thank you. This has been so fun. Um, Where can people find you? Because you are fabulous, and I'm sure they're going to want to look you up now
1: after hearing all about you. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, My website is thesimplicityhabit.com and on social media. So Instagram, The Simplicity Habit. Facebook is the one I use the most. That's The Simplicity Habit. Um, I have a page and a group there. So that's where you can find me. Awesome. And then i like to end each interview
0: with three somewhat rapid fire questions. Um, What has been your favorite simple pleasure this week?
1: Uh, My favorite thing is caramel tea. So I have a salted caramel tea that I love drinking. And almost every day I'm having some of that with a tiny bit of creamer in it.
0: Yum. Oh, that sounds fabulous.
1: And what is the best advice about
0: simplicity that you've ever received?
1: I think the whole idea of do what works for you. Um, not trying to ascribe to the T of anybody else's ideas or goals for you, but finding your own path and your own goals that work for you in your home.
0: Ah, oh, fantastic. And what is making you happy right now or in this season of life? I know it's a little crazy right now. We're in the midst of the coronavirus, just craziness. Um, but what's making you happy right now? At this exact
1: moment that my kids are quiet, actually, is what makes me happy right now. Um in a lot of ways, this has been good. We've been spending a lot of time at home with our kids doing things we wouldn't normally do in other ways. It's been really hard. So I feel, and I understand both um, sides of that and just trying to take every day as it comes, not trying to look too far forward with it, I think has been helpful and trying to build and those fun memories when you can, but also being real with when you're having a really hard time is okay too. Yeah. So I
0: think absolutely. just
1: having more grace in this season, the, The theme would be grace. (laughs)
0: Absolutely.
1: Yes. Patience
0: with ourselves. So awesome. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today. And um, I look forward to hearing more and seeing uh, more of your simplicity habits as we go forward. Thank you so much. This has been lovely. Bye. Take care. Thank you. Bye. So there you have it. What a great episode. I know there's lots of information there that you will be able to implement. So special thanks to Juliana for being our guest on this show. And I want to take a second to address this idea around the word minimalism. Juliana brought up a really great point that many people think about minimalism in a bad or a restricting way. I believe that is changing. The proof is in books like Cozy Minimalism or in families jumping on the trend of living with less stuff, and hopefully this show. The truth of the matter is that you need to decide for yourself and your family how you want to live in today's over-commercialized world. I agree with Juliana that we need to not let a word or a label hold us back. It doesn't matter to me if you call yourself a minimalist or not. I have more stuff than people that live in tiny homes— but I have much less stuff than a lot of my friends. It's not a competition. It's a balancing act. And that's what I hope you hear when you listen to this show or read my blog. It's about being mindful of the stuff we let into our homes because this stuff impacts us in more ways than we realize. It's cultivating loving relationships with our family and friends. It's about enjoying our time on this planet. It's not about deprivation, but it's not about waste either. I am so happy you are here, and I hope we've inspired you to live a life that will make you truly happy. And that just about wraps it up for this episode of the Wannabe Minimalist Show. Thank you so much for joining me today, and if you liked what you heard, I would be absolutely delighted if you would leave a review on iTunes, and while you're there, please, please, please take a second to subscribe to be notified of new episodes. Okay. I promise I'm almost done. Be sure to join us next week. And I will once again have two new episodes for you. I'll be doing a solo show about decluttering a bunch of things in a week that I promise you will not even miss. And I will be joined by another guest where we will be discussing the flat surface clutter rule. It's pretty life-changing and these episodes are ones you will not want to miss. So I'll see you next week. Cheers.